Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, we go Ned, David, Pete. So one, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. God, a bit ponderous that. I know. But it'll help. It'll help. Anyway, it's very nice to see you both on a on a Zoom link. And Pete, it's noticeable that your well, David's background is just exactly the same as I've been staring yeah. at for three years. But your your background's different, Pete. Tell us about where oh, yeah. you are. I wanted to change it up yeah. a bit. So I thought oh, I'll good. head into into the lounge. Into the West Wing. Into the West Wing. The the right wing. The the right west. East. Yeah, let's go with West. Let's go with West. Sorry, I'm on the right hand side of the house. The right wing. Simplify it. Um, Not the wrong wing. Yeah, just thought I'd thought I'd I'd, uh, make myself comfy, change it up a bit, got the Christmas decorations up. You totally have, yeah. When did the I I, we caught a glimpse of the tree pod? Yeah. So we usually, well, actually, Lauren corrected me because we usually, well, we have done in the past, put the tree up in November. I mean, <laughs> way back in the past because I go on training camps. So mm-hmm. we want to do it as a family together. Um, but we had friends coming over this weekend. So we were like, right, let's make it festive. Let's get all the trees up. So we've got one in the hall, one in the kitchen, and one where I'm sat now in the lounge. That's great, Pete. Very good. So we're That's right great. into it. Yeah, we're fully committed. No turning back How- now. Are there, how many of them are real? None of them. Nice. <laughs> nice. But so I got think these, got these I little scents that you hang on that smell like yeah. real trees. Brilliant. But it's uh, the, we never have been, <laughs> and we never will be into real trees. There's just it's too much mess involved, and you know you could hang like we, kind of car, yeah. car rear view mirror pine tree things off them. Oh, that would be meta, wouldn't it? Wouldn't a pine it? tree hanging off a pine tree. Yeah. That'd be yeah. Yeah. I think I think you're right, Pete. I think you're doing the right thing actually. Well, it depends. Do you chuck them away at the end of the year because if you do that you're doing the wrong thing. But do oh, you no, or do you keep them the, for the next year? So, well, we every Christmas we add something new, so it's just like a ever growing sort of you know, our <laughs> attic is just getting like more and more consumed by Christmas decorations. But this tree here is the first tree we ever bought, which is where Santa comes. And where we, oh, where all the kids come in the morning, and then we've added the one in the hall, and then last year we added the one in the kitchen, which is actually the biggest one we have, which is epic, <laughs> and because it's the newest one as well, it's literally like three pieces, and you just put it in, and it just sort of like just pops out, and it's like wow, and it's got the lights, amazing, it's, it's got the lights <laughs> built into the tree as well, because everyone knows built into the tree from back in the day, you put the lights on, it's like oh, I'm gonna have to do it again. You have to untangle them all yeah. because you know one side isn't covered and the other side is, and so yeah. Yeah, nice. Well, Pete, when I when I was a kid back in the day, um, when you put the lights on the tree, I don't know what's changed technologically, but if one of the bulbs had blown, uh, the whole lot was the whole lot was gone. dead, sort of thing. Okay. So the whole lot wouldn't come on. So. Yeah, there'd be this moment of tension. Dad would always put the lights around the tree like that, which like took him a really long time. But you didn't know whether it was all going to go wrong until he flicked the switch to see if they would all light up. But invariably, they wouldn't light up. So it was just dead. The whole lot was dead. And then he'd have to go through every single bulb and hold it up to the light to see which, which one had a filament that had blown. Those were the days. It was like, That's what I it matters as well. But you didn't have anything days. better to do anyway because you didn't have the internet. There was so much dead time. There was so much dead time. That story, though, <laughs> yeah. Ned, when can, we were putting the tree up in here, and Lauren got the lights wrong. For, I was like, "Why is? Because this tree isn't isn't the best tree." And I was like, "Why is this a special tree?" And then the first the first thing that came to my head <laughs> was, was, the because, was because was <laughs> because was because one, 
we had the music videos from you know the music channel on Sky on with the old school yeah. videos on instead of the 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 speaker in the kitchen. So that straight okay. away that's more traditional, more nostalgic. Then the light thing happened where Lauren had to do it all again, and I was like, well, right. that's exactly why. That's Christmas. It's all part then, of the process. That's what makes it special. That's the that's what sticks in your memory from when you were a kid. You know the music videos, the, the what you just explained with the mm. with the, the lights the exactly. All these little. But, but even now, with like better lights, I mean, built-in lights is obviously a different level. But like with conventional lights for normal people, um, you've always all, everyone's got the Christmas tree against at least one wall. Sometimes mm. it's in a corner, so you, it's against two walls. And so you're like by definition, you're a lot of those lights you're just displaying to a wall, and they're not actually on show at all because they're just around the back of the tree. And that always gives me a momentary kind of pause for like existential crisis when I'm doing that. I think is there really any point in doing this? Why don't I just cram them all on the front side of the tree, which is the only only bit that no one you know everyone sees? Yeah, I think no, that's, more often you can't, than not, well, that's like the, just the shaving the front of your part legs. Of the tree. Yeah. <laughs> So you wouldn't do it. You don't see the. I mean, I don't see the back of my legs really. But you've got to. You've always got to be tactical well. with the baubles, though. Yeah. Like the best ones go on display, and then you kind of fill up around the side, and then you have more often than not the back of the tree will have maybe one, two, you know, a couple on, but it won't be full like the front. But would you would you be tempted to take some of your very best baubles and put them not on your best tree? Because you've obviously got a pecking order of trees. You've got your massive tree, and then you've got your second best tree and your third best tree. But just to even it out a bit, would you put a, a really like top class bauble on the worst tree? No, because not? every every tree is like decorated differently and has a different style. So the one in the hall is like a fun <laughs> tree, and it's like all more traditional greens, yellows, reds. We've got like a pack of cards on there that we got from Glasgow Worlds. Um, crazy sort of decorations. This one has got like these. One sec, I'm gonna grab it over now. Like how how pretty is is that? Can you see that? It's beautiful. Oh, that's is that a little awesome. soldier or a little? It's just, like it's, just, it's just gorgeous. It's also got the, um, one sec, bear with me. Fill time if you need, because it's tangled up. The gold post box from the Olympics. Look at that. Oh, uh, the gold door, sorry, post box, the door. Gold door, a golden door with 2012 above it and a little kind of like Christmas wreath on the golden door. That's amazing, Pete. So this is the but very much the, the special. The gold tree. It's got the... the Minor Lauren's first angel, which is gold at the top as well. All uh, gold. It's all gold. Yeah. A golden key. So this is this is a really good opportunity <laughs> for me to drop in and ask Neg question actually. I'm gonna cause we're just gonna yeah. jump oh, yeah. in now because it seems like it's such a such okay. a pristine moment. Um But I do I did get the impression, David, se- that we could have talked there, David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I did get the impression we could have talked to Pete about his Christmas trees for like no, a full uh, pod. Pete like, got up, not moved, even moved camera around and got up like somebody, like some kind of documentary about to talk us through. So Gav at Gavinius. It's a lot of love. Uh, asks, is Hello, Pete Gav. an annoying younger brother or an accidental genius? Can he be, can he be both? Yeah. Can he be? But he's not. I don't think I've ever been annoyed by Pete Kenyuk. Oh, it's just, you know he has oh. his flashes. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I don't know. I don't think annoyed would be the right no. word. No, I've been frustrated. Like, I've no, that's not the right Perplexed. word. You see, I've disappointed. Been, <laughs> disappointed. Oh my I've God. been from time to time. I've been a little surprised by Pete. <laughs> I, I, I grant you that. Like. Uh, I, I, I genuinely don't think Pete's just not one of those people. See, I think annoying people aren't as charismatic as Pete's. No, annoying that's true. people are just like yeah. a, a rainy, drizzly Wednesday afternoon of a person. Yeah. Whereas Pete, Pete is like midnight on a Monday, or he's like a Saturday afternoon <laughs> in bright sunshine. He's like all sorts of yeah. interesting days of the week. He's not just a drag of a Wednesday afternoon type person, you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm. He's obviously a genius. We've covered that for the last couple of years on the pod that that, that goes without explaining um my younger brother it's a kind of step well my young kid he's a kind of stepson i don't feel directly related to him so it's definitely stepson vibes and also i, I would like to feel there is, that no, I could disassoci- there is no genetic references and i'd like to feel i could disassociate myself instantly if i had to <laughs> um, <laughs> his face 
<laughs> yeah, well, thanks, but Gav. But never annoyed. That was a great Never question. annoyed. That was a great yeah. question. That was a really good opener. That so, was a, yeah, Pete, your, your, your turn. Fine. We, so I've got nine pages of questions, so we'll go through what we can. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. I, I noticed you just sort of, like, went in quite random there, David. We're I not did. Going. Just no, dipped in. Lucky dip. Dipped in. Lucky dip it. Dipping okay, out. I'm going to go Lucky for the first question on, right. on your sort of... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's from uh, Ross <laughs> Jeffries. If anyone wants Hello to give Ross. him a, a cheeky little follow on Twitter, he's um, at South Coast <laughs> Ross. So, uh, South Coast Ross. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Hi, so, South Coast Ross. Who, in your opinion, is the biggest, mm. excuse my language, bastard in the current crop of pro cyclists? Well, this is... Ross, South Coast Ross must have been to see my last show, I think, because I did... I did quite a riff on like you can't win the Tour de France unless unless you're a bastard of some description, and it started in 1903 with Maurice Garin, who was a famous bastard, but it continues to this day with Geraint Thomas and Chris Froome, both of whom, in their own uh, you know different bastard. ways, are ba- <laughs> a total bastards. But so, but I think, and and here's where I have to hold my hand up about um about my completely hopeless prediction with regards to Jonas Vingegaard. I think he's a bit. Uh, I got him wrong completely. And I think he actually, it's between him and, and old Primoz. Because I think they're both like, but mm. actually it's Primoz, isn't it? Primoz. I think the Vuelta yeah. kind of revealed that, that a was, little bit. That was a huge reveal. That was a huge that reveal. That was a big one, wasn't it? Yeah. David, do you think Sepp Kuss, do you think Sepp Kuss is a bastard? He's won a Grand Tour. so well, He has to be now, doesn't he? he I mean, he's won bit. a Grand Tour. He had to be, yeah. I, th- I hope he's turned into, I hope he's earned some bastardness. We have to recreate um, with a bit of AI the Inglorious Bastards, a few of those scenes with pro yeah, cyclists. That's a great film, that. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. Sepp just going into the theatre with a machine gun and it's just filled with well, Sepp Jumbo Visma riders. Yeah. We yeah, had a little bit well, of Because a... Jonas and Primos, based on that, would be like the, the German dude who's, I can't remember his name now. And then you've got the American Italian who's Brad Pitt. Mm. Yeah. And their crew, they'd be like the G's and the Pogacas, wouldn't they, who are trying to like, you know, do them over, basically. Yeah. And, and, yeah. But Jonas is like one of those characters from a film who you'd consistently underestimate, as I've just proven, you know, and actually he'd turn out to be the most devious of them all and like the really the, like super evil. Right, like, let's keep bit. moving. This is from okay, Mel yeah. Griffiths at Hello, Dame Mel Griffiths. Nelly Melly. You're casting a potential blockbuster film, Tour de France, the oh, ITV God. four years. Who plays you, yeah. Gary, Pete, and David, and Chris, if you like? Uh, and who directs? Um, uh, who, who directs? Well, Gary would have to direct it, wouldn't he? <laughs> like, <laughs> he'd have to direct himself. And the, the so Gary directs it. Yeah. He'd have immense uh, attention to detail. David, you'd be played by... Um, uh, um, who's the guy from Withnell and I? The South oh, African actor? Richard E. Grant. Richard E. Grant, yeah, perfect. Take yeah, that. I think so. Take I mean, that. like, you're not as, you know, I think, I think Richard E. Grant is in his probably his mid seventies now. But yeah, um, so I don't, you know, no, but, no, I'm taking but it, you've fine. got, there's something about you, you know, we could AI, we could, you know, take a few decades off him and bring Just him down to, you know, exactly. mid forties. Perfect. Um, uh, uh, James McAvoy. Ooh. I, 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 I want, I want to be played by James McAvoy. Okay. Uh, this, this is quite surprising, but when I, when, we're a similar-ish age. I don't think there's too much between us, amazingly. And when he was when he was in Shameless, I bumped into him once in Soho Square, and we both did a we both did a kind of like whoa, you know when you kind <laughs> of like ganger. acts you like when you meet someone who actually looks quite like you because very briefly I looked a little bit like James McAvoy. That's very good. He's a very good actor. Yeah. So I'll tell you. and Pete, um, played Pete. I mean, there's too many. Also, Brad Pitt, isn't it? Yeah, give him James Pitt. McAvoy, James McAvoy, Richard E. Grant, and Brad Pitt. That's a, that's a bloody, pretty good cast. That's a great cast. Wonderful casting, Ned. Yeah, directed by job. Gary Imlet. All right, next one. Pete. A bit of Brad Pitt. I'm going to go on the second question after the first one to keep it simple. Ian Newton at Nuts Newton. Uh, double points for putting hashtag Ask Ned first before the question. Which Pyrenean or Alpine good. climb would you like to ride and? Who with? Well, it'd be you two. Nice. Um, I, I, I've never been up. Uh, uh, the one that we haven't done together is the Col de Pérusord. Uh, you've always done it. that independently. It's true. But 
it's a uh, the reason I like it is because it's one of those where you just go over the top and it's just got that little shoulder. It's a bit like the Galibier, isn't it? Mm. And you drop down the other side. It hasn't got a proper top, sort of thing. And there's that iconic. Um, uh, and also, if you come at it from the Luchon side, there's that amazing bit, isn't there, where you get to within about seven k and you can see the last four k. Just yeah. switching back and switching back and switching back. So that would be a good one. I'd like to do that one with you. Or rather, I'd like to watch you lot. Well, I'd like to watch Pete attack and on blow. the outskirts of Luchon <laughs> and blow. Mm. <laughs> Very good. Pay your sword. Uh, okay, this is actually, there's a couple of people, actually there's a few people that reference this, so we'll just get it done in one. Um, this is Louise Bell, <laughs> at Louise underscore Bell. Hi, Louise. Ned's, Ned has expressed concern about GCN's dominance and the impact it might have on freed view cycling, e.g. GCN wanting exclusive airing rights. How does he think the landscape will change now GCN closes in December? Well, I, uh, yeah, that's slightly mis... I mean, I'll do yeah, it think, slightly yeah. mis mis misrepresents what I said. I just... There was one moment... There was one article that they wrote that just slightly annoyed me because um, they didn't credit... They didn't credit the fact that me and a journalist called Peter Cossins had actually done this interview with Cav. You know, when I went out to Paris and yeah. I, I think it's a slight journalistic convention that when it's someone else who's got the quotes for a different outlet. Yeah. Fine. It's in the public domain, those quotes, but you kind of acknowledge that it's not. And they mm. took ownership over it all. Like, you know, mm. GCN, Mark Cavendish told GCN in brackets and other members of the media. And I just thought it was a little bit sneaky snoo. So I kind of went, uh, that's, that's, that's what that is based on. So it wasn't a biggie, but maybe it's because, because I said it and I don't work for GCN, it got taken to be something that's slightly bigger did than did anything come but I'm did anyone from GCN speak out about the situation or did it just kind of blow up no no that was it just blow mm. yeah storming a storming a Twitter teacup to be to be mm. perfectly honest and then it wasn't wasn't long after that that I think we were all stunned well, I remember David posting it on the WhatsApp group to mm. hear that you know overnight GCN had um, basically pulled the pin and I, I don't even begin to understand the um, the kind of interweaving dynamics of which company owns what in that ever-changing field of Discovery and Warner Brothers and Eurosport, because it's super complicated, isn't it? Mm. But uh, just on a personal level, as a subscriber to GCN, I thought it was an amazing service. I mean, genuinely. And maybe that was a problem. Maybe they just weren't charging enough. Yeah, because a lot. You're getting a lot of bang for your buck. A lot, yeah. right? It was yeah. crazy paying like £5 a month or something. I don't know, maybe less. Yeah. So, um, I, something I guess will. I mean, I did. I have exchanged messages with Rob Hatch um, in the days following that announcement, and Rob seemed pretty relaxed about it, and um, s seemed to, seemed to be working on the self-evident understanding. I think that all the commentary jobs that these guys have all been doing, our friends, will continue just on a different streaming platform. Uh, that consumers will probably be charged a bit more for. So I think it's kind of. I think it's as you were actually. I think it's pretty much as you were. It's just the branding will change and the cost, I think, will probably go up. But I think there'll be the same range of, of racing available to the subscriber. But I don't know. I'm not a spokesperson for that. So anyway, I definitely hope that's the case because I think cycling needs to have the breadth of coverage that it has to, mm. you know, enjoyed under GCN. Short-lived though it was, it was only two years. It's mad, isn't it? Mad. The GCN madness. Oh. A form Got of madness. Yeah. Interesting question, but I'm not sure if, Ned will be able to answer it because... Anyway, let's go for it. It's from Rebecca <laughs> Fletcher. Is there a piece of commentary you've been really proud of only to find it didn't get broadcast due to an ill-timed ad break or cut from a <laughs> highlights package? <laughs> Actually, that is a really... That, that is, is a really... really um, that is a really good question because, David, I don't know whether you'll agree with this, but um, some of the bits of commentary uh, over the last couple of years... Are I remember most vividly that have come out of your mouth or my mouth have often been at moments of the race where there's no action going on. Mm. And you and I have been you and I have been dealing with some of the landscape and historical kind of issues, you know. I think back to that village that was destroyed by the Nazis as they oh, retreated. Yeah. Can't remember the name of it. You know, stuff mm. like that and the Corbusier Chapel and bits and pieces like that. That actually I think I, I'd like to think we're quite good at it's the same with me and uh, matt rendell to be honest <coughs> you know yeah early parts of the, yeah. of the race where not many people are listening and that's when the best and, and stuff sometimes and sometimes that's the, absolutely the best stuff because you know when you get to the business end of the race it's just like it can be a bit painting by numbers yeah um 
Um, but that's the stuff that never makes the highlights, ever. It kind of like gets broadcast live. Yeah, it's so it. true. It's, it's so annoying, isn't it? Sometimes where you've had genuinely kind of great chat about something that's taken us both off guard and we've actually really enjoyed talking about. And then just know yeah. that's it's only going to have been listened or watched by relative few compared to the actual racing highlight show. And it's kind yeah. of, and, and that's one of the weird things as well. I think we are kind of, when we first started doing it, we didn't value that part of the race as much as, as we've become to. And I think that's, yeah. it's kind of the way the sport is, isn't it? That was a good question. Yeah. A really yeah. good question. I tell you what's yeah. hard as well. Yeah. And this to just expand on that is when I see Ned doing brilliant bits of comms or something and kind of, and then, and then the director comes on and says, okay, can we do that again, please, Ned? Can, I need another episode. Because <laughs> the images have changed and he wants to capture it again to do kind of the oh, same. Yeah. And it, there's well, been that's... times where it's been like three or four times, hasn't it? Well, that's like, so just so you know, you might hear this in the live broadcast, but like as we're broadcasting live, back in London, they're, they're thinking about how to cut the race down for the highlights duration. And they will ask us repeatedly during a live broadcast while we're on air to kind of come in as if we were starting a part on the highlights show. And then they'll change their minds <laughs> and I'll have to do exactly the same thing like a minute later. And that is like, well, I always shoot you a glance, don't I, David? Literally, it's quite a physical thing. I have to kind of shrug my shoulders and puff my chest out and go again because it takes a bit of kind of impetus and thought. And of course, I can't do exactly the same thing. I can't say exactly the same thing. So I might have done it really quite well, but we're still on air with a live show. So I'd just be repeating myself if I did the same thing. So I have to find another way of doing a similar thing without anyone really noticing. It's, yeah. Okay. I'm making the job sound difficult. It's not difficult. It's not difficult. This is from uh, Novo underscore 1872 at Novo. 1872. Hello, Novo. Hi, Novo. Yeah. I love horse racing and often wonder how a Cheltenham Festival finish would sound if Ned was the commentator. My question is, <laughs> does Ned ever Brilliant. mute the TV on sports and try his own commentary? If Ned could work a sport he hasn't commented on, which would it be? Oh, I know. Well, uh, David, you remember hashtag Ask David? Yeah. Someone said, if you hadn't been a cyclist, yes. which sport would you have been? <laughs> yeah. And you came up with the idea of tennis. tennis. I'd like to have been a tennis player. Well, I'm going to say I'd like to be a tennis commentator. Because oh. literally on the telly, it's just... It's just foo, foo. Winning shot, and then you go, Oh, splendid. <laughs> that's true. They never commentate. I'd like to be a pool. And that's it. Snooker, sorry, snooker. Yeah, they don't say much, do they? No. So approaching <laughs> the um, pink ball, no. And then You'd have to break, really know kind of like Pete. Goes around the table, bit, taking his time on this shot as he approaches <laughs> this. He's like, takes another little two steps. He's like, okay, now he's about to square up for the pink. Big shot on now. Big shot on now. And that, that's it. It's great. I was watching it the day, as we were playing pool. <laughs> and I actually had this conversation about different sort of forms of commentary. Yeah. Yeah, the snooker would oh. be great. But then what about, Pete? Because you and me, we're really good at snooker, as we <laughs> demonstrated to one another in Calais um, or a couple of years ago. But Pete, what about the, f the opening phase where they're just playing safety shots and bringing the white back up to the cushion all the time? You'd have to really know your stuff to call that, though, wouldn't you? Unless you just like do it all like clever with hindsight. It's so just so calm though, the isn't it? It's just, yeah. you could find your Oh, way so around. you're right. You don't need to say it. You just go, oh, I say. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, uh, beautiful. Set himself up nicely for, for, yeah. for the next red there. And then <laughs> like 35 second break. <laughs> and then it's, it says it's so true. It's great. You can't, so yeah, it, you can't do it in cycling commentary. To add to this, Sorry, it was about Cheltenham. Do you enough, know enough about horse racing, Ned? To I used to work in a, a book. Before I got into television, I was uh, I worked in Ladbrokes and I watched a lot of horse racing for about a year. I was a bookies clerk. And uh, so, yeah, I know a lot. I know so a lot. So we're going to hear you call the last couple of fences then? Well, we're working with some new producers next year at the Tour de France. One of whom, um, I won't name him, I think he listens to this podcast occasionally, uh, is, is very heavily involved in horse racing. Ooh. And the idea, the idea has actually been floated that a horse <laughs> racing commentator from ITV and, and I might do a bit of a job swap. Oh, so, um, so potentially, because I think there are a fair 
fair amount of similarities. It would be actually. hilarious getting a horse and a horse racing commentator do a bunch sprint. I mean, the problem is, they, I mean, good luck knowing the riders, but they yeah. could just bluff it. Yeah, just wing it. Just do the teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because every horse, every jockey has a unique. Yeah, yeah, it's not like they have teams of eight. No, no exactly. <laughs> teams of eight horses. I know. Big lead out. <laughs> just a grand Yeah, a five-hour lead out. Peeling off. It's good the horses it. just peel off one by one. So good. Oh, that'd be good. Five-hour lead out. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if a horse race lasted five and a half hours. <laughs> brilliant. Uh, what's next? That's a great question. Cobbles. These are good questions. They are good questions. Oh. Tennis notes, tennis for me. Yeah. <laughs> Go on then, Pete. What if you got the next one? Oh, I say. Uh, from Will Brown, if you could only choose I'll, one I'll, medium I'll, for the rest of your career, would it be written, spoken, or filmed? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. I, I think, um, and I probably, I don't know if this will come as a surprise, but actually it won't, because I think I've spoken about it to you guys, but I think I enjoy, I get the deepest satisfaction out of writing. And uh, if if I, I don't want to lose any of them, I love doing all of them. But if I had to just choose one, it would be the written word, I think. Um, partly because of the economy of it. When I go off and film a documentary or something, you know, there's sound engineers, there's camera people. You have to wait for the light and the conditions. And if it's raining, you can't do it. And then you have to wait for that person. to. T- with a, when I'm writing a book, I just take a notebook and a pen and that's it. And it's, it's nice. I like the stripped down kind of thing of it yeah so writing here's a good one what's next um, yeah from Paul at Paul C199 Hello. has to ask Ned, Ned what's your favourite brand of budget hotel in France and why um we all know why I'm even thinking, thinking here. why are you even thinking <laughs> well I was trying to think Beyond Campanile. No, there's no beyond. No. To see, no to see if there was like something I'd forgotten because I think, I, well, I, I've, if you want, my I rapidly dismissed Baladin yeah. and Kyriad. Yeah, gone. They're off the scale. I think on the Tour de France we've only once stayed in a Formula, and that was depressing. That's awful. Yeah. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> Ibis styles, in theory, should be like slightly better than a Campanile, but yet it's patchy, isn't it? It's yeah. like. Campanile's just say Campanile's almost got to the point of being so it's a Campanile kind of iconic. vintage nostalgic as well. Ibis and that yeah. have got a bit too kind of twenty first century nothing. Yeah, yeah. You know, they've gone you know too I mean? modern, haven't they? Like IKEA, like a crap IKEA. Yeah. 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 Whereas yeah. Campanile, yeah. it's still exactly the same. Remember when we I took the like chairs onto the balcony net this year? In oh, the that tour. was great. Over right. the. Overlooking the atrium. The car park. Stars. Yeah. Like, oh, it was, it was <coughs> perfect, wasn't it? And then we had our neighbours across the way on their balcony. Yeah, the, the families thing. checking in. Do you remember with the kids? Yeah. And then and then they were all checking in and we would just sit there like staring at them <laughs> across the atrium, like making up stories about them and kind of a bit like Jimmy Stewart from Rear, Rear what's it called? Rear Window. Um, but even down to the keys, you know, like a Campanile oh, key, can you imagine? Almost, I can, can almost feel it in my hand, right? Feel yeah, see it. exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Little slot and card. <laughs> yeah. Little punch card. Little perforation. <laughs> yeah, little punch card. Yeah. Oh, you're, you'll go, Pete. <laughs> and the noise, the noise the blind makes. Oh, it's just magical. <laughs> <laughs> Perfection. Okay. Um, Owen Williams. At Blink Owen. Anyway, if hmm. Ned... Could have been if Ned could have been a pro yeah. cyclist. Not why I'm saying. Yeah. Anyway, if Ned could have been a pro <laughs> cyclist and could, because it's like asking you. You know, it's like he's asking me. But anyway, I if Ned could have been a pro I'm cyclist right. and could have raced on a team with Pete or David, that's not the question. <laughs> oh, I see. That's not the question. Which oh. <laughs> which team? Which team would he have joined, and what would his role have been? Question mark. Hashtag um, ask Ned. So uh, I don't quite understand. Am I am I on a team? So uh, do I have to? One sign of our teams. So team one of it's like one of our no, old teams. It, 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 no, it, it's it, one of your teams. With Pete or David, which time? Okay, fair enough. Yeah, could have raced on a team uh, with Pete or David. Yeah. Uh, oh, I see. That, I yeah. understand that. Yeah. Okay, that makes more. F- at first, when I just briefly read it, I was like, any team, but yeah, on a team with. So it has to be one of our teams we race for. Uh, what would what team would have would it be? 
well and uh, what um, would your your role have been within the team okay so unt- until i until i realized understood the question correctly and realized i ha- i could only restrict it to the teams that you raced mm. for i was going to say i would like to have been i could see myself as being an incredibly underpowered and borderline useless early mountain domestique for Gerolsteiner. Like oh, nice. M- m- nice. M- maybe play a bit of a role in the Vosges Mountains. That would be get brilliant. over a ca- get in a <laughs> run Getting a break and a good good day in Bayern run fart. Yeah, yeah, one or two. But yeah, maybe pick up some points on stage thirteen in the Vosges Mountains on a Cat three <laughs> climb. Um something like that. But then when so I realised I had to pick <laughs> So obviously I'm not gonna be Team Sky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I'm not going to be Team You're Sky. Going so aren't Pete, you? I, it has to be. Oh my god! It's got to be Bora. No, it's Bo- I'm definitely going coffee. This. I'll come to that in a second. But, but Pete, it's Bora Hansgrohe because basically they're like a turbocharged Gerolsteiner. But um, you know, I, I, I'd. Well, I, I mean, I wouldn't make the Tour de France team. Obviously, and again with coffee. This David, I'm going coffee. This. Yeah, of course. So you are. I'd be there. I'd be there. I'd but I'd be the first person to put my hand in the air for like the Grand Prix Grand Prix Marseillaise and the Etoile de Bessèges, yeah, Cholet, and all that. The Coupe de France. Uh, yeah, yeah. But by March, I'd have like <laughs> absolutely blown a gasket, and it'd just be if you looked at my pro cycling stats page, it would just be DNF, DNF, yeah, DNF, all the way down the line like God. that. I'd have I'd have been that I'd guy d- with. Um, he brings the bottles up to David in the tour for Cofferdus and like wants to have a conversation not with good him. Enough. David. David just doesn't not care. Just, I don't, he's not here to <laughs> no, talk I do, to but me. I do that. I do that at Paris Nice. I do that at Paris Nice. Like <laughs> and I, I DNF stage four. Like, but for the first few days, I've been doing gloves off and just giving them to you. Like, yeah, okay. exactly. Take, not even looking off. at you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't lose them. <laughs> call me by the wrong name. You probably call me by the wrong name. Yeah. I'd be Gerard yeah, and yeah. you'd call me Jerome. <laughs> Yeah, completely. <laughs> He's so good. Uh, and yeah. also, also, I'd have only got the. I'd have had a two-year contract with Cofidis that I only got because my uncle was quite a player in the Vendée or something like that, and you know had connections to the management. And it simply, it was obvious after two or three months it wasn't going to get renewed, and that'd be it. Just I'd be amateur after. I'd have two years as, as a pro with Cofidis. And you'd still be like. <laughs> it's quite detailed, isn't it? Walk. Um, so this is going Great question. F- as far away from that as is possible. <coughs> Dean S. Lakohi at Lakai.com, yeah. whatever you call it. Dear Ned, what was the favourite role you played or the favourite play you acted in during your time at the ADC in Cambridge? Oh, that's niche knowledge about isn't my it? background, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, uh, it, it was It was probably, um, there's, a, there's a great contemporary British playwright called Jez Butterworth who wrote Jerusalem, The Ferryman and Mojo and he's probably our greatest living playwright and I uh, performed in the first thing he ever wrote Oh wow! at university and uh, I remember him coming and introducing himself to me and I was massively under, under impressed and he underwhelmed said, by and he him. said please don't ever but do that I again was, yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it was that and it was, it was an adaptation of a cookbook um, about uh, uh, yeah cookery book and he'd made a story about all the characters who were cooking the recipes. It's very good. Yeah. So that. There you go. There you good go. question, Dean. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. A partner is AG1. AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients to support whole body health. I've now been taking AG1 for nearly a year, just over actually, coming up to the anniversary. It has been in direct correlation with my increase in health and fitness. It has become my atomic habit. It's what I do to start every day. It is one scoop in water, dissolves so easily, and there you have it. AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in one simple drinkable habit. 
Science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source nutrients. Every scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and whole food sourced ingredients of high quality. They give me major benefits like gut and mood support, boosted energy, and even healthier looking skin, hair, and nails. I've been traveling non-stop the past couple of months, actually. Actually, feels like six months. But during that whole time, it has been simple. I've just been using my daily travel packs. It avoids taking lots of different things that in the past meant I just stopped taking everything. With AG1, it is literally how I start every day. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash never strays far. That's drinkag1.com forward slash never strays far. Check it out. Back to the show. Okay, Elizabeth. Yeah, are we going to do? Matt. Are we going to do a couple more or what? Yeah, to loads yeah of at least a couple more. I think they're great. Elizabeth Mallet, M A double T. Sorry, Mallet. I can't judge whether or not this is interesting because I. No, it is interesting. It is. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it really is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Which authors have <laughs> that was anno- that was almost annoying actually. Yeah. Pete almost annoyed me there with that. Ooh, no, Ooh. it really is. <laughs> but he, as I say, he can't annoy me. So yeah. there you go. Right. On, Pete. Which authors have influenced you, and Ooh, the wonderful nice. way you recount your ex- experiences? Full stop. Your ride to the darts on your bike should have been incredibly dull, but I found it compelling. <laughs> what is the witchcraft? Question mark. Hashtag Ask Ned. Oh, that's very oh, kind that's of very you, good. Elizabeth Mallet. <laughs> that's ki- <laughs> that's. Um, <laughs> do you know the weirdest thing about the last pod when I I rode, I rode to Minehead. Yeah, the weirdest thing is a couple of a couple of people on the Twitter, and I didn't understand what they were talking about. Said, "Oh, are you recreating In Pursuit of Spring by Edward Thomas?" And I went, "I have no idea what you're talking, talking about." Because <laughs> Because two or three people said it, I then looked into it and found out that in 1913... Are you joking? A poet called Edward Thomas set off on his bicycle in 1913 to ride from South London, a couple of miles from my house, to finish in Minehead. No. Like, almost exactly the same journey in almost exactly the same number of days. (laughs) So I'm halfway through reading the book now and I think what I'm going to do is... He set off on March the 21st. It's called In Pursuit of Spring. So he's trying to find spring, evidence of spring in the English countryside through Hampshire and Wiltshire and, you know, Somerset. And I think if I've got a free, the free time, which I think I have on March the 21st, he set off. And I think next year on March the 21st, I'm going to do it again. But this time I'm going to go exactly where, village by village, where Edward Thomas went in 1913, that's 111 years ago. So that's a bit nuts. No, um... I enjoyed doing that. Thank you for listening. Um, but it was just, I was just describing what I see. And if I, it, it, the other answer to that part of that question, and I think as a stylist, as a technician, I think the greatest writer I've been reading recently, he's not my favourite writer. There are many, many other, mostly women actually, who I admire at the moment much more as, 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 as writers of fiction. But I think one of the greatest technicians as a writer is Ernest Hemingway. And I would um, love to be able to write with his absolute economy um, and say as much as he does with very few words. I think that's a real skill. So hmm. Hemingway is my, app, you know, I don't, I don't compare myself even slightly with Hemingway. Uh, a, but I, if I could line. be a writer, I'd be <laughs> Ernest Hemingway. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I admire the most. Mm. Yeah, yeah. What about you, David? Who, which, who do you admire as a kind of writer? Yeah, that's really, that's hard as well. Because it is, it's like... Um, as you say, your moods and things change. Mm. I don't know, at least I used to love that. I liked Hemingway and I liked the kind of all the American <clears throat> kind of I, Cormac McCarthy I loved back in the day because I just mm, yeah. all that yeah. hardcore sort of American literature, yeah, kind of deep, yeah. deep overly wrought stuff. But yeah, I, I, I recently I don't know. I'd have to have a real proper think about that. I'm kind of uh, but, but a yeah. black spot. But yeah, having ways. Yeah. Just a classic. Brilliant. Yeah. Matches your style yeah. as traveling. And on that note, Ned, here's a good one. Mm. 
Actually, this is totally kind of random, actually. Because I don't know <laughs> if you have it. From Nick Reed at Nickin Masham. Is there a blind spot sport which you would like to know more about and maybe do a little coverage of? I was once Jim Rosenthal, the ITV anchor from back in the day, once uh, asked me if he if it would be all right with him if they could re- he could recommend that I joined ITV's Formula One team. Yeah. So for, for a while, I was going to go. For a while, I thought I was going to be sent on across the world all year doing motor racing. Um, and it, for one reason or another, it didn't happen. But partly because I had lots of other commitments at ITV. But it was almost going to happen at one point. And I think they they came to that conclusion because of what I'd done in my early years at, on on cycling, where I'd sort of like arrived as a as an outsider, and then yeah. the viewers had kind of been on the journey with me, and they thought it would be a way of making uh. Formula One a bit more accessible to sort of you know that they send a send an outsider into the sport. And so your friend and mine, Richard Williams, is. Talk about writers you admire, oh, he's David. I've I've never quite I've never quite you you've got a great deal of passion for motorsport. Oh, yeah, I love I've it. I've never not modern. But it's not that's modern not to say that I'm not kind of I'm sort of fascinated by it. So yeah, yeah I would have I would have, and I know nothing about it. So mm. definitely that over golf. I think we can we can Agreed. definitely say that over golf. Yeah. Yeah. Who's yeah. you, Pete? Okay. Um, bear with me. There are so many good ones, to be honest. Can I just say, before I forget, that that, um, we're very hard up against um, a deadline for getting your your road books ordered for Christmas. (laughs) Mine's at the post office here. NSF, oh, is it? NSF 2023 code still applies to all road books in our range. All of them are £10 off. And we've just discovered in the stockroom there are very few signed... 2022 and 2021 editions there as well. So if you haven't got them, get £10 off, get signed edition. Oh, get amongst NSF it. That's a perfect Christmas present. Just spending Christmas Day, go. just leafing through yeah. that. Oh, dreamy. Perfect. I received mine from Ned actually yesterday. Cool. And Ooh. it's very luxurious, isn't it? It's nice, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. nice. I've, it's nice. I, do you know what? There's something okay. about them that's slightly addictive. I'm starting to get it. Hey, this one yeah. felt I don't know why, but you know, the first one I was like, all right, that's kind, that's nice, it's a nice book and all. Yeah. And then each yeah. year it's become more, oh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. The first thing is. you do is you, you just have to put it next to the other ones, it's weird, isn't it? You just got to <laughs> slot yeah. it in and like, so anyway, whatever. So, what have we got? Ask Ned, we've got, we've got one from F- Fran Miller, not sure <laughs> Fran who Miller. she is. Oh no, but if anyone wants to give her a follow, it's at Fran Miller. Um, definitely oh, heard the name before, but I just don't know where. <laughs> um, if you if you were going about your ducks. normal day, how many owls would you have to see before you thought something was wrong? <laughs> <laughs> that is, to be fair, I gave Fran a bit of a hard time about the question she posed for David, which was what was it, David? It was, ducks, uh, it was like, a duck-sized like horse. Yeah, exactly. Or. A, a horse-sized duck, or, or twelve like, horse-sized ducks. Yeah, would yeah, you exactly. prefer to fight them? I thought it was a bit lame, but that is actually quite a good question, my friend. How many owls? All right, can we all play this? <laughs> yeah, right. I've already done think, it. Think of a number. Think of a number, and let's see if we're in the same ballpark. Okay, I've got my. I just need to think this through. I know what yeah. mine is. Yeah, you go first. I'll go first because it's. I'm yeah. supposed to be answering it. Yeah, four. Four, four owls. Four. That's two. That's, that's four one, four one, owls. One too many for me. Three. I'm done. Because three, three things. Well, go, three things go. No, nah, but see. All right. What, what do you say, Pete? I can. Then I can justify my four thing. Maybe six. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of owls, Pete. That's a lot. I feel of sure owls. if it was the same owl, though. I'd see him. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't considered that. That's a really good point. Genius point. <laughs> It's a genius you, point. So you've just seen the same owl. So the first two or three, you're like, you're just not sure if it was the same owl. So you're letting that just go by. Four, yeah. you're starting to think, hmm, I better pay closer attention. Five, you're like, no, that was a different owl to that fourth one. And you're still traveling by the Oh, no. <laughs> this is really weird. <laughs> I'm still not 100% those first four were different, but 
<laughs> just that, that element of doubt has crept in now. It's, it's, it's unsettling. That's Pete's every day. It's like has so to, it has to get to six for Pete to start to think yeah. things are weird. Five. Five. No, that could be okay. No, five no, five's hours. Okay. That could be fine. Five hours. Because it's just fine. the same guy and he's circled around. So that's five, oh, six. I don't know anymore. Go on, yeah. four then. Why four? So you again? <laughs> Why four? Because, well, we've we've often discussed the magic number of three, haven't we? The, the Trinity yeah, thing. Yeah. Well, so 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 if I'd seen th- if I saw three owls, I'd go, yeah. There's a natural order to that. That kind okay. of like I get that. Yeah. This is the world we live in. The Trinity. That yeah. totally makes sense. There's very very unlikely to go beyond three because that's just rounded. There's another one. <laughs> okay. There's yeah. another one that has broken the law of nature. Now that's, that's when true. I start to get worried. Yeah. That that is so. Very true. That's it. It's a deviant number, isn't it? Four. You don't. Four is. It's like a seven. It's not a kind of number. It's that, useless. No, no, no. Seven's seven's <laughs> the number that everyone picks. I know, it's, and it's so because, it's useless. Because it uh, means nothing. Say, pick a number between n- n- zero and ten. Everyone goes seven. That's why you got to say you got to pick, pick a number between zero and ten. You're not allowed seven, and then that completely screws people. But no one would say four. No. No one's going to go four. It's just a weird... Yeah, true. You wouldn't do it. That's true, actually. Four is pretty weird as well. Oh, there you go, then. So, uh, three, yeah. four, six. Yeah. I, mean, I think Pete wins that, actually. <laughs> totally. Before we before we move on from, from Miller, I had on about my dreams again, and I thought I was getting over them. Last night, vivid as you like, swear down, Fran had managed to speak to Bellstaff and create a team that was for me and it was like my last chance and she was like you realize if you mess this up it's over and i was like no no i'm fully committed fully committed and i woke up, woke up and i was like i woke up and i was like am i ready am i ready for this like am i ready to go back and i was like oh my god it was a dream again <laughs> oh please oh, oh no did you tell her awful no i haven't told her yet no oh she'll listen to this uh did- <laughs> Did she build the team around you? Were you like the star signing? And well, that's well this like was it was it was yeah it was uh, in my oh, dream no. and in my head it was yeah basically because in my dreams I'm always like so much better than I ever was. Oh Pete, I love how deep you. But no, subliminally, like your your conscious, your deep conscious knows how good you are. <laughs> it's just you wake up and then you just let it go again. Yeah. So yeah. deep down, it's there. It's so just you just got to let it out. Let it out. Let it, Is that, let it free. Was it one of those where the dream just lived with you, just dragged into your morning a little bit? And was it quite hard to shake off that one? You know, like, or did no, you just dismiss it fairly? It's happened so many times now that it's past oh, that yeah. point. A couple of years ago, that would have unsettled you. It's yeah. like, it was like, yeah. Standard. It was like water off a duck's back. Of, the sixth, sixth dream, I thought it was weird. And now I'm on like the <laughs> 206th. I'm kind of just like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Go on with it. Uh. <laughs> I right, water here, off a horse-shaped, <laughs> horse-sized duck. Here's back. a good one from Dave Corlett <laughs> at Mister C64. Nice. If you could Hello, be mate. a pro cyclist, what would you want to excel in? Climber, sprinter, <laughs> classics, and why? Cheers. I t- I wouldn't want to do. I wouldn't want to do the Ardennes. Like you know those kind of guys who go, yeah, I see myself as not maybe a climber for the oh, big mountains. Oh yeah, because that's like for the Ardennes, place. you know. So because no one cares about the no, Ardennes no. by the by the time the cobble classics have been and gone, everyone goes, yeah, I can't be bothered to watch the Flesh Valon. Yeah, <laughs> always came into form, as Yeah, yeah. Everyone's thinking about the Giro. So you don't want to be a like, you don't want to be a, cli- a climber classics rider. No, no. A Dan Martin, I mean, you know. Uh, yeah, with respect, Dan, uh, no. But he won Lombardia, which is a bit harder to... And he won stages well, big mountain well. stages in the Tour. Yeah. But, um, no, I think... I mean, I think I'd have to... Uh, is this, So it's an unreal... Obviously, it's an unrealistic... No, this question. is dreamy. This is dreamy. It's like, do you want to be like a Mark okay, Cavendish? Dreamy. Do you want to be at the Sharp End, battling out Philipson and Cav? Do you want to be in the high mountains, like, dancing on the pedals next to... I, s- I can't remember. Roubaix. I can't think I, I, Roubaix. No, it's, there it is. It's Roubaix. Roubaix. It's Roubaix. Nice. You know, imagine winning, winning Paris Roubaix. It's Roubaix. Paris Roubaix. I'd be Cobble, Cobble Classic. I'd be Belgian. I'd be nerd from Bolting. <laughs> I'd come from <laughs> Ippingham. Yeah, that's from Bolting. I, I'd be Belgian. I'd be Belgian. I'd be totally happy being Belgian as you well. You would be lovely. Like, because... The simplicity cause, you know, of David, it. My, my, 
my much vaunted lack of style and, and dress sense, I think, would stand out far less in Belgium. Completely. I could just cruise around being normal. And, yeah, you know, just not really like, caring I look, about your I look your a bit Belgian. Yeah, I look yeah. a bit like Lawrence, an older Lawrence Hoos, you know. I'm yeah. kind of like, I could pass as Belgian if you just got sort of a screenshot of me. Pete yeah. couldn't. He looks Spanish, no. but um, I could. Yeah. But isn't there it funny, Classics, like you just mentioned yeah. there, no one cares about the Ardennes after the classics they will only care about the Giro but then no one com- no one cares about the Giro once the Giro is done because it's the tour and it's like oh my everyone's forgot everyone forgets how good the tour is when the Giro is on it's like when the tour comes down it's like oh my this is where cycling God, but the, <laughs> one race, the, race. the one race that survives it all is Lombardia because it's like the last race and everyone goes yeah goes into their off season yeah yeah yeah, yeah so true Oh, I've got my race program through for RCS. I'm going back to Lombardia and Gran Piemonte. Oh, happy days. Doing Milano-Torino this year as well, which is good. I like that. Actually, on that theme, I'm just going to jump in. This is from Rebecca Mm. at Becky Kath. If you could be a DS for a Tour de France team, which team would you choose and who would be on it? Okay. Uh, Okay. Uh, Let me flip this around. You guys know the peloton very well. Where do you see me fitting in culturally better? Best if I you have to place me as a DS into one of these teams. Where are you gonna? Where do you think I'd go? Movistar. <laughs> just you no, know, seriously. Super laid back. Movistar. Kind of just like laid back. Good, good, really nice people. Traditionalists. Just traditional. They'd be interested in your stories. Yeah, they'd love chat. Art. They love. They love sitting around a dinner table. They kind of. They just got good vibes. With Max. peppermint teas. With, with Max. Max yeah. With Max. Can you think about it? Being on a race yeah. with Max. It's, oh, you're so you're, right, you, you and Max would kill it, uh, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I like. I like wearing blue. And I they like don't. Blue. And I don't think they. Tell, I don't think they give the riders any instructions. It's no. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just like there's a start line, guys. See you later. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's kind yeah. of they're pretty yeah. laid back. Yeah, that, I'd have to be... look after Nairo Quintana. I'd, I'd have to be Nairo Quintana's guy. He's gone back. That's all right, me. no, because then you just bring in your friend Matt Rendell. <laughs> yeah, get Rendellero. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to smuggle him in the back though, wouldn't I? Yeah, you would actually. Like you know, yeah, to, yeah. I'd have to open <laughs> open windows at the back of the hotel. Good luck smuggling in Matt Rendell anywhere. <laughs> 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 knocking over coffee tables. <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> Putting his foot in the kettle yeah. as he walks into the hotel room. <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. Yeah. All right, we'll do two good more. questions. We've got like loads. By the way, just, two more. Yeah, let's yeah, do two just, more. Just, just, okay. just give a homage to John Franz, who we didn't mention, who did actually mention mm. the Minehead and the Edward Thomas book. So, sorry, John, missed your question. Yeah, before. a few people did, but yeah. that's, um, that's yeah. amazing. Thank yeah. you for all of you who pointed that no, out to me because it's really interesting. Okay, Brian Hill. Really interesting. Next up. Hello, Brian. Is, um, what did you think of Pete and David when they were pros? And what when you when they were pros and you had to ask them a question before you got to know them? So what did you think of Pete and David before they were pros and if you had to ask them a question before you got to know them? That's, That's a brave question, Pete. I think um, very different. It's not my very question, I've David. <laughs> I know. It's Brian Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you went on, you got a fake burner account on Twitter yeah. and you're called Brian Hill. <laughs> Just set it all up for this um, moment. I think I was, uh, uh, I, how am I going to say this? Uh, David, you were uh, very approachable from the moment uh, that I, I could understand and I did understand that it, it was a bit of an ordeal for you and you weren't very interested in talking to me for a good few years, but you never really kind of let it show. And so um, I have never been scared of asking you a question <laughs> or kind of like had to back off or even, you know. So that was always very comfortable. You, you, were, like, you were like pulling on a cardigan for me. Like, <laughs> you know, a nice, warm, like comf- comfortable cardigan. Pete, I was just um, massively in awe of. Yeah, still am a bit. Still am a bit. Um, um, because you, you were quite distant you were very much wrapped up in, it felt like, the team bus felt like a much more of a distinct bubble. And you seemed less aware of what was going on outside that team bus than David was maybe. So, and I knew that the reputation that you'd arrived with, you know, when you assigned for that team, I knew I'd heard all the, all the stories about how amazingly good you were. And I was kind of in awe of you. And I remember the first time, um, Pete, that I got a sense of who you actually were was when, um, not that you aren't all those things, by the way, but 
the bigger picture was when after you won the Tour of Austria in that summer when you'd been excluded from the Tour de France team and you and you felt like you had a bit of bit of a thing to say and you know you and I didn't know each other very well but you took my call and you used the opportunity of a reasonably trusted and friendly journalist I think to who gave you the platform to go on air and kind of have have your say and I thought actually I've got a lot of time for that because um, I think the easiest thing for sports people is not to stir the pot or not to express yourself honestly ever because it's just easier not to and I think that you didn't say it unreasonably you didn't say it in an unmeasured way it was incredibly articulate and probably quite accurate as well and I thought oh yeah Pete's actually does understand how to play this game and sort of the relationships that work and the dynamics and that was the first time that kind of I became aware of that so very different characters you were much harder to read Pete than David was to be honest and now you're both impossible. I've got no idea what's going on in your heads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Does that make sense? Are you happy? Have I offended either of you with no, that? No, no, no. It's lovely. It's always uh, it's just like to hear us. The, the, the ever-evolving personalities and stories, aren't they? With all three of us, I think. Because the odd time I've Completely. gone on a YouTube sort of rabbit hole. And one of the times is when <laughs> it was, I think it was oh, Swanee Deval. So it was that 2008 Tour de France. Yeah, yeah, Ned, you were with that crazy guy doing your bit. You were doing these mad videos. Like was it I? was almost okay. yeah, yeah. Honest, have you not? <laughs> I can't remember. You must not, seriously. And David, have, were you in the polka dot jersey, or you were trying to take? Yeah, that's two thousand and seven. Yeah, and yeah, two thousand and seven. It was then, Ned, and you were with this right, guy going yeah. up to the team buses trying to get interviews with people, and you were doing this like off the cuff, <laughs> like really funny videos, and I can't remember his oh. name. Oh. I vaguely remember that, yeah. yeah. And because I'd spent, and because it was last year, and I'd spent obviously four years commentating with you yeah. guys and know you as who you are. Yeah. And David's on this bus and he's got this kind of demean and he's like, just trying to do this, <laughs> and trying to do that. And it's like, yeah, give me one second. <laughs> and because we know each other as who we are now, it's like, it just, it was so bizarre. But that's e- yeah. every person in life just constantly evolves into a, a I wouldn't say a better, per- a better version of themselves, but it's, yeah. a, it's always yeah. changing, isn't it? Mm. Absolutely. So yeah. not and who right, you interviewed me as back then is who I am now and the same with both of you as well, I guess. Yeah, and we rub off on each other as well, don't we? Like y- you influence each other just by the sh- sheer number of hours we spend Wild. talking to one another <laughs> in each other's company. Yeah. yeah. All right, this is a this is a nice final question. Wow, that was that was quite deep. That was quite yeah, intense. That was quite um just if anyone's interested, go and search for those videos of Ned because they're brilliant. <laughs> 2007 to <laughs> 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 Uh yeah, So, yeah. Okay. okay, to conclude, this is from Rebecca. Uh, no, no, not this one. Chris Tate, sorry. I think we've already done that, Rebecca one. Uh, oh, at Yorkshire Enigma. What's your favourite part of a Tour de France stage day? Ooh. Surely it's just waking up and remembering you're at the Tour de France, Ned. <laughs> <laughs> lunch not always lunch is always good <laughs> lunch lunch it's lunch yeah it's lunch lunch is kind quite of good pretty much it? every day isn't it why is it so important it just you know an army <laughs> marches on its stomach and all that there's mm. something you know when you're far from home and the day's long and the door is long huh? and it's always it's always a nice kind of surprise we kind of go there a little bit kind of looking forward to what they put on for us that day Totally, but it's such good food, and we're always there quite early. Yeah. And also, so there's a little, there's some random, little, sometimes random we, mingling. And we go there. Sometimes we go there together, but more often than not, we kind of go separately or in twos or threes or ones. And then, yeah, if you go on your own, there's that slight frisson of, ooh, who am I going to sit next? <laughs> That's what you're like now. Pete and I are trying to avoid people. Oh, heads down. Like. <laughs> Pete and I are like, don't talk to anybody. Don't. No eye contact. Dive no eye contact. Occasionally, I'll dive in and have a bit of an Anthony McCrossan day, you know, a little bit with the ASO. So true. It's like I always laugh whenever we go. Ned's just deep in with another table in like heavy conversation, having a chat, finding out about (laughs) their Tour de France. Yeah. (laughs) I'm happy to sit on my own cap down. Yeah. I'll have to bear that in mind because I just want to enjoy my dinner. Like, we have to speak all day. I'm like, 
I just don't want to talk about Cyclone to anyone right now. I just want to enjoy this one moment that I have to myself. Oh, it's like, oh no, Jens is coming. Oh no, Jens is coming. Jens is coming. Jens is coming. Jens is coming. Jensy. Yeah, Jensy got to take cover. But the worst, no, the worst one, guys. The worst one is not actually a lunchtime thing. It's a, um, it's a breakfast thing. And it's in the breakfast area in the hotel. It's, it's, I'm afraid to say it, but it's Matt Rendell, isn't it? <laughs> I think Matt's quite a safe, like, safe safety Matt. <laughs> he, he can you know go deep. It's always, you get the drama, not, don't not you? Not a breakfast. No. You a breakfast you, it is wall-to-wall Tour de France. And he doesn't <laughs> even say good morning. It's no, the papers. first thing he'll say. It's just bang. Because he's, he's been gestating all this stuff about the Tour de France for 12 hours. And he hasn't had an outlet in his, in his hotel room to say any of it out loud. And so it's just... Bam, and he's got all the papers in front of him as well, yeah. hasn't he? And oh, I can't see, I can't, I can't be doing the Tour de France at eight thirty in the morning. That <laughs> comes a bit later. Wow, I miss it. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> That's a good way to finish. Just put I'm your just in to it. it. Just quickly on what I was saying, it was 2013, Ned, and it was Dave's shoddy interviews. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who's interested, oh, yeah. get on YouTube because yeah. they are funny. <laughs> that does ring a bell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, like, like you're trying to downplay them as if they never happened. <laughs> <laughs> Put it on the group feed. <laughs> <laughs> God, no, it's brilliant, honestly. Uh, uh, well, there we go. Oh, Thanks, Ned. That was All a good right. ask, Ned. Thank you. Thank Well, thank you to our Twitter Twitter people, huh? That yeah, was, that's a really yeah. good question. Sorry to all the people um, who didn't answer. We were just randomly going through there because we're remote, so it's the easiest yeah. way to do it was just to bounce them out. But thank yeah, you for all yeah, the questions. Yeah. Maybe squeeze great. another pod out before Christmas just to get an update on the, how the Christmas trees are bedding in in the Kenyuk house. Ooh, yeah. yeah, we'll see. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. We can do Re- that. Little review all of right. the year. Yeah. Excellent. Oh yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. See you guys. See ya. Bye. See ya. Cheers. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.